Welcome to episode 65 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and on the first week where I said I was going to be streaming weekly again, I accidentally missed it because of WrestleMania. <laughs> Goals. And I'm Rod. I'm still drinking. This is great. <laughs> Do we remote from home? <laughs> and I got a little head start. I like how you're I'm still drinking, but it's only in the order that we recorded episodes because the oh. previous episode... I don't think you were drinking because that was when Michelle was on. I or wait, remember. is it Carlos? I don't know. It's all out of order. I can't remember if I was or not. No, I that was yeah. All the out of order stuff is just kind of is kind of been wild. But we we talked about off. Oh yeah, Michelle's on next week. Time dilation. And what also helps is that I just watched like literally just watched these episodes. So my head is still kind of in the second to last episode of the series, which is good that we're going to be talking about the fourth to last fourth episode and then second. Yes. Cool. Maybe this wasn't a great time to <laughs> go for the Woodford Reserve. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode, not necessarily in order anymore, but you'll hear it in order. Of the yeah, original you 19- will hear it in order <laughs> as our audience. The original 1992 X-Men, the animated series in the original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus later this year. It's so close. It really is. I mean, I feel like to date this episode, just got the email of when the housing lottery is happening for San Diego Comic-Con. So it's like, oh, yeah, shit's going to get real at Comic-Con. We're go- I, they, they have to give us more information at Comic-Con. I don't see how they don't. I, th- I thought that's what I saw online today. I saw, you know, I, I don't think I saw you post about it, but a bunch of our costumes. I did not. No. Stuff we're just talking about like hotels and lotteries and stuff and like and SDCC and I was like I have a feeling this is something big's happening today. <laughs> they gave us essentially forty eight hours warning of when the hotel lottery is happening, so everybody is you know timing out our schedules to make sure we can be online to submit the moment we can for that. So in the before like not before times but before online stuff was that something that you would just have to like wait in person for? No, I did my first Comic-Con in like 1995, 90 something, 95 or 96. I can't remember off the top of my head. And then I didn't go back until 2009. We got our hotel in 2009 like two weeks before the show. Oh, okay. So just like normal. You just- yeah. Like we, and, and it wasn't like we were far away. We were literally at the hotel right next door to the convention center. So San Diego Comic-Con, like the craziness is kind of like recently been insane then. It started getting rough the year of the Twilight incident where the, the person... <laughs> There, so I'm not familiar. <laughs> so the, the if you if you Google it, I think it was 2010 or 2011. But there were people who were staying overnight to get into Hall H to see an early trailer of whichever Twilight it was, and a woman accidentally like fell and got hit by a car and killed. Oh no! Yeah, okay. so legit, it was one of those wild scenarios. And then after that. That was when it was like everybody started coming and you had to start planning further and further in advance. And I don't remember what year the hotel lottery started, but yeah, it it all of a sudden became a thing. Maybe 2013, 2014. Okay. Yeah. I guess that, that that makes sense. Even you know, tragedy aside, that makes sense just for like logistics and stuff. You'll you know well in advance what your situation is and stuff. So. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, all of that, you heard me talk about this about WonderCon, but this is one of the reasons I keep my distance from those conventions specifically, because it's just a little too much input for me, as well Fair. as anxiety. <laughs> so I watch it. I watch it online. I'll be like, oh, did you guys see the YouTube video posted? It's like two hours after the announcement was made. But <laughs> Yeah, you're probably getting the announcement quicker than I am because you're at home and could actually see stuff happening online. I'm at the convention, and if I'm not in the hole where that's being announced, when all the stuff was happening, I found out about it on Twitter, not because I was there in the room at the last San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, that's so. right. But some quick reminders. We are a recap show about an animated series, in case you weren't aware. It started now over 30 years ago. There are going to be spoilers. And if you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, come back, and we're going to do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we have not yet covered, aside from maybe who the guests are. And we are currently not sponsored affiliated with disney or disney plus in any way we made it through the entire first series without cracking that one i mean there's still one more episode we haven't recorded yet <laughs> there's it wouldn't it be hilarious though if it was that last one if they came in on the series finale to sponsor us yeah and they're like listen deadpool 3 is coming out we're down with rated r stuff and don't forget to follow us on social media at cyclops iwfm pod on instagram tiktok twitter and facebook and of course of course 
I said corfs. Anyway, of course, make sure to follow us on your social. Sorry. Media. Ooh, I'm drinking. And of course, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast services. I had to sound that one out. And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming, up, upcoming series. Okay, not leaving the house today. We may be a few weeks behind. Not really X-Men news, but once again, the date the episode, but also like remote news is the we just got the announcement that the Marvel's trailer is coming out tomorrow and they released like a little teaser thing today with like NASA sounds. I'm personally stoked about it. I know people are kind of like polarized about Captain Marvel. I personally really like the movie. I like the character. I like the actor. I like everything about it. So I'm excited to see everybody including you know the characters we got from wandavision and miss marvel and stuff so i mean i'm i'm definitely more of a kamala khan fan than i am a carol danvers fan but i think we've talked about this in the past it's not even necessarily the movie adaptation of carol danvers i have a problem with it's her portrayal in the comics especially in civil war ii something about the way the character was portrayed just is forever in the back of my mind and i think i just have like this ongoing bias because of that specific storyline so like the differences portrayed in the comics that you liked in the movie no no i think it's more so just that i did not like how she was portrayed in civil war ii oh, it's very okay. it's very much minority report ish where it's like people being locked up for future crimes gotcha. and it, it feels very fascist and oh, it yeah. just is very hard to like the character who's like they haven't committed a crime yet, but this inhuman who says they're going to, says they're going to, and it's like, that's kind of fucked. I get that. I'm not familiar with that storyline, and, you know, no to, no to, to pride. God, this is going to be an interesting episode. Yeah. No surprise to anybody. My two reference points for Captain Marvel are her cameo in the Rogue episodes for this show yep. and the movie. But also, I kind of, I think it kind of works. It's like celebrity boxing, right? It kind of works out that of all the polarizing characters in the MCU, be Captain Marvel, because she's kind of designed to die later, right? <laughs> or go into a coma or whatever. <laughs> and, and so, like, whenever they want to get rid of her, they just have to make sure they don't fuck up that Rogue casting. And then it'll all be worth it for everybody. So are you making your prediction right now that the Marvels ends with her getting put into a coma? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be that soon. Do you, I mean, if it... Okay, it's like a, a, a tepid prediction because if they do it that way, then that'll be like the big, like crazy, you know, like Infinity War moment or whatever that for some reason everybody's been expecting ever since Infinity War, but it's surprised it doesn't happen every single movie. <laughs> Mephisto. Right. So... <laughs> Now, on to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 7, titled Old Soldiers. It aired on February 22nd of 1997, currently sits at a 7.7 .7 star rating on IMDb. And Rod and I have very different feelings about this episode. So one of the reasons I'm drinking, besides I don't have to drive today, is I didn't love this episode and the next one we're recording. However, I think now that I've... You're going to hear me like think about this in real time because they literally just watched them. I think it's mainly because of the placement in the order of things. Because I know that we're on our way to like the series finale. Right. Not just a season finale. And I'm like, why, why are we getting these random flashbacks? <laughs> but also, I've, I've, I've kind of gathered now, though, because we... What order are these coming? I think the last one you just heard was the one we did with Carlos. Carlos's right? episode, yep. With Very much a one-off. Yeah, the Jubilee's fairy tale theater. But now I'm kind of figuring out that they kind of filled out the end. I don't know if they filled out, but but the end of the series is kind of just like these individual stories, you know, like little story time things that aren't directly affiliated with the current time. I mean, this one kind of is with the current timeline, but the team isn't involved. Like there's like, let's do one character and one villain and move with them. Right. But I don't know. This was this was definitely better than Jubilee's fairytale theater. <laughs> That's very hard for something to be worse than Jubilee's fairy tale. <laughs> Between that and the Christmas episode, and I like the Christmas episode, so. I like the Christmas episode, too. So, starts out, there's no previously on. Rod and I talked about this, so it's not going to be a surprise when I, I can't say, oh, did you notice? Len Wein, who is the creator of Wolverine, was the writer on this episode. So he did four episodes of the series, this being one of them. Very cool. Yeah, I thought I recognized that name at the beginning. I was like, that's a name I was supposed to remember. Yes. Shout out to our buddy Matt Robb, who educated Rod on that name back when we did our Hero Clicks video, which you can still see. It's one of the only video episodes we have of the entire show on our YouTube channel. Also, loosely based off of Uncanny X-Men number 268, while well, you probably don't know the story of that rod, it is the iconic cover of Uncanny X-Men, 
where it's Wolverine, Captain America, and Black Widow all on the cover together. Oh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. And it's when Black Widow, she has very short hair, too. It was like that very, like, 90s-esque hair, but that was a little bit of what this episode was based off of. Man, it would have been cool to see Black Widow appear in this. Let's just be happy that we got Cap, okay? I know, right? (laughs) So we get a flyover of a graveyard in Paris, and they're at the grave of a soldier named Duke. And you get the impression they're there and they're they're grieving a friend. It, it wasn't super clear to me when they lost him or if it was just, you know, an anniversary of a mission. Oh, yeah. Maybe even of, like, whatever war they fought together or something. Right. Like, he, he may have passed away five years ago or he may have passed away back in World War II. And this just happened to be where he was buried. I have a feeling that all the names I wrote down for this episode aren't going to matter just like they did for the one next week wow i'm as, trying to th- i'm trying to think of my timeline here. <laughs> as as you bring them up i will help you wherever i can well um, so they, they said that the grave they're visiting was duke yes that is that important i could not look up everything because yeah. this episode and the next one that we're recording today actually had next to no trivia associated to them at all but The Marvel Animated Wiki, which is one of the the wikis that I referenced to this, somebody was a super fan of this episode. It is the most filled out episode of probably anything in terms of the plot points and the amount of quotes. They might as well have just included the script. Like somebody (laughs) went so, so hardcore. I'll post screenshots from it. It was like the whole episode is there. Like you you did not need to watch this episode. You could have read the entire thing on the site. I can see that. Even though this wasn't my favorite episode, what was it? Chris from X Reads said that Jubilee's Fairytale Theater was his favorite episode. Yeah. I could see this episode being that for someone because it is a tight story, if nothing else. Even if you just, you know, even if I don't necessarily like the story, it makes sense as its own little like Mission Impossible espionage kind of one-off. Right. So the soldiers turn and they see Wolverine and Wolverine's, you know, pretty much on the defensive. They say they're there for their, you know, the 50 year anniversary. So obviously a part of that is the anniversary of the end of the war. The way that that falls actually messes with the Jubilee timeline a little bit because that would place it in 44 to 45, meaning 94 to 95. Mm-hmm. By that logic, Jubilee shouldn't be legally old enough to drive. <laughs> I guess if they wanted to argue this, this episode could have... They didn't timestamp anything around this. Yeah, it didn't need to be... So we could have just seen yeah. this later, and this could have happened like in the first season or something. Right. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so one of the soldiers basically recognizes Logan is served with somebody who could have been your father. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine, of course, brushes that off. But he knows his name. He remembers the soldier in particular. His name is Ernie. Yeah, there's, there's more of these names. It's like, would these supposed to be people important? Now, I'm getting more, especially with next week's episode, I'm feeling like this last season, they filled in a lot of names with just like, that sounds like a soldier's name. Or yeah. maybe it's like one of our kids' names or something. Although, I think I just realized maybe why I didn't love this episode as much. I think I got my hopes up because I personally would have loved to seen that story of Wolverine remembering the people he served with and them not remembering him, you know, and going on that story. So I think maybe internally I was kind of like, oh, we're going to see that story. And they're like, nope. (laughs) Got it. Other one. But yeah, you know, Wolverine talks to himself, basically saying, you know, he would love to join him. At the bistro? Yeah, there was a bistro in particular. Not a bar, right? (laughs) Dude, (laughs) what are they going to say? I know, but it was just so Do you remember that? I forget what it was called. It was like a box that was made by like a a Christian family company. No, I can already tell you. No, I don't. I, it, it was sold at like Walmarts and stuff, but he was like, you could hook it up to your TV and it would read the closed captioning and like either replace words or blank out curse words and stuff. So this felt like one of those things where it's like, yeah, so after this, we're going to go out to the bistro. <laughs> Wait, this was legitimately a thing? Yeah, TV Guardian. That's what it's called. So any any youth group survivor kids like me, <laughs> you remember the TV Guardian. It, it was a clever device. It was a dumb you know, idea, but the device was interesting because the closed captioning was on everything. But it would, it, it was weird because you watch movies like Independence Day or something with that on it. And we're like, some of this doesn't make sense because it would try to like replace certain words with another word. But you know, curse words are kind of complicated sometimes. You know, the word fuck could be adjective, noun, <laughs> you know, or, or you have words like ass, which are in the middle of other words. Yeah, it's pretty great. And I think there was even more complications because sometimes captioning happened in like, groups so sometimes you would have to replace entire phrases or something it's weird but the bistro thing cracked me up because it's not the only time it comes up in this episode every time they're going to go to the definitely not a bar they're going to a bistro (laughs) yes 
And then Wolverine basically is like, you know, the value of these guys is a thousand times the value of you. And we see Andre Cacto. Is that one of the people you were wondering about, Rod? I did write his name down. I'm assuming it didn't matter. Nope. It was. Uh, <laughs> nope. Look at, looking up online, that was a name that was created for the show. There is not a Marvel Comics version of Professor Cacto. So I, I thought maybe it was a little bit of a troll because they put a character in the show that everyone pronounces last name is Cocteau. Mm-hmm. So Wolverine is frustrated and, you know, he's basically saying that, you know, because Cocteau's dead and he's been cheated of vengeance and it's not fair and he's ruined the joy of going to Paris forever for him, which it's a little dramatic. The Paris forever thing seems a little bit much to me. The rest totally but the paris forever also did they go to paris in one of the the episodes with apocalypse and the horsemen originally i can't remember but i feel like i feel like it might have been they've been to paris i mean i guess he didn't necessarily he wouldn't necessarily enjoy being there yeah it feels like it's very probable in his extended lifetime that he's been back there especially with horsemen so we go into a flashback it's 1944 he mentions that he's working for the OSS intelligence. Did you actually know what the OSS was? No, I wasn't familiar with that. It's essentially what would become the CIA. Oh, okay. I was just laughing at him talking about how the city was swarming with Uncle Adolf's goons. Goose-stepping like, goons, yeah. Oh, goose-step, yeah. Yep, and yep. that kind of went along with the whole they're going to the bistro thing to me. <laughs> the fact that they said Uncle Adolf, and one of the references I did find online was that Uncle Adolf may have been a counter to Uncle Sam, which I had never heard that used in that way ever before, but it it sounded different and interesting, at least. Yeah, even if it was just an internal joke with the writers, that makes sense. To their credit, they made, you know, quote-unquote, Uncle Adolf's goons really dumb, like, caricatures, like, in a good way. Like, you know, they're they're trying to... Yeah, fuck them. They're not trying to make these complex characters you feel sympathetic for. No, but the one comment I did see, which which did make sense from a logistical standpoint, never would have worked in a Saturday morning cartoon, is you had Germans who were speaking English while occupying France. (laughs) And granted, they were doing like the broken crossover of like, you know, partial English, partial German and stuff like that. But it's like the likelihood that they would have been speaking English at a time like that, especially when they're like, you know, show yourself or we're going to shoot. Obviously, from a logistic standpoint, probably a little hard. That again, it's a it's a Saturday morning cartoon. It makes sense why it, it was what it was. But Wolverine is essentially very poorly parkouring from roof to roof, <laughs> trips and ends up knocking a rock, and it hits one of the Nazis in the head. And then, you know, like I said, they're they're basically like, yeah, show yourself, or we're gonna shoot. And then he has the foresight to basically make a pigeon fly off, and they they laugh and basically said that the pigeon was an American spy. Did you see that in the captions? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that whole thing, there was so much, like, stupid that happened very quickly that it was kind of funny. I think that was the the purpose of it was that they, A, that they immediately assumed that there's, like, a sniper on a roof. I mean, I know it was, like, wartime and everything, but, like, that was, like, their first go-to. And then going from, like, thinking that there was, like, a militant or mercenary sniper or whatever on a roof to, like, oh, it's fine, it was a pigeon i don't know necessarily if i if i got the impression that they thought it was a sniper because occupied france was under like german rule i assumed it was just they thought somebody was breaking curfew and because of how shittily they treated the people of of paris at that point it they would shoot anybody for being out past curfew essentially oh no that tracks yeah no but you know, they they leave after the, the bird passes as a distraction. Wolverine gets to a bakery, and that's where we meet Justine. I wasn't familiar with Justine. I'm assuming not another, not an important name again. No, and especially as in, in the following scene where we find out that she's Cocteau's daughter. If Cocteau's not in the comics, Justine, yeah. also not. I like the passphrase thing. I wasn't able to type it fast enough, but I, I love, like, back in the East Coast when I lived there, there was a couple, like, quote-unquote speakeasies, not real spoons, but, like, back alley speakeasies that you would have to do something similar to just like a gimmick you know to get in so i like yeah i like i do like this part of the espionage story yeah they go into this this bakery they move a shelf that goes into an underground base one of the many things that was listed as a goof on the animated wiki was like oh well they would have pushed it back in place and not left it open like that and it's like yes we know it's okay (laughs) like 
Dude, I they went underground. I, yeah, like they would have shut it behind them kind of thing. And it's like, yeah. yes, again, it's OK. <laughs> <laughs> but that is where we meet Captain Happy Sawyer. That is a character from the comics. Is that the is that related to John Favreau's character? in the MCU? No, it has nothing to do with Happy Hogan. Nope. Wow. Okay. So just another character named Happy. Okay. So I I don't know anything about Happy Sawyer then. I mean, I didn't look up anything other than he is from the comics. But yes. Okay. So he so oh. they they decided to pull this name <laughs> out of the yeah. comics. And you know what? To remind myself, I will look up a little more information with him, including pictures, and throw him into the Instagram when this episode comes out. Like, sure. what books was he in? I'm assuming yeah. probably like Fury and the Howling Commandos or some classic. Yeah. You know, he might have been in classic Captain America comics. Who knows? Yeah. It is the time frame. And he sends Logan on this mission to go rescue Andre Cocteau or silence him. Yes. Which I thought was like, they didn't, and they, he didn't really elaborate a whole lot on why, because it sounds like a very like extreme, like we just need his information to not be part of the Nazis knowledge base, which I guess that tracks in the big picture but like what man what a extreme mission to send somebody and not tell them why but i think that's one of the things where if you start telling them why then they start to question orders and it's mm-hmm. it's that whole mentality of need to know which actually falls into the greater story of the episode yeah it's very what was it not bucky barnes or something else like that anyway but yeah no i, I get it so they're going to the chateau de mort and that's where octo's held and like you said yeah it's it's either get him out of there or you got to put him down so I guess, it, which, yes, that's awkward and sucks. But at the same time, it's like, oh, well, this guy knows how to make the equivalent of a nuke. We really can't let that fall into Nazi hands. Mm-hmm. But he also mentions that backup is on their way. I'm getting a million notifications on my phone right now. Hold on. Oh, let me let me just. Me, me too. We'll keep this in the edit. So as we're speaking, for whatever reason, you know, the joke about how Instagram reels is always like four months behind TikTok. Yeah. That's true on multiple facets. I've been posting simultaneously for my TikTok and my Instagram the same content. TikTok took off like back last fall. Like two days ago, Instagram decided to randomly just push out all the TikToks I posted four months ago. I've turned my notifications off, but every once in a while, one slips through whatever filter there is. And and my phone has been going nuts. I'm glad that people are finding it, but it is weird. It's like Instagram is purposely pushing stuff out months after TikTok does. <laughs> they want to stay on pace. They don't want to ruin <laughs> right. what they've had. Um, so said, on top of me drinking, if you see me delay on something, it's probably because I'm trying to swipe away 40 notifications before I come. Yeah, I, I just threw my, my phone on Do Not Disturb. But Wolverine does what Wolverine would do and says, oh, I don't need backup. And then as he's getting ready to leave, Justine gives the, oh, just so you know, he's my father. And it's like, <laughs> Did you really have to add that part to, like, add more pressure to this dude who's literally going on what's probably the equivalent of a suicide mission? Justine's also a theater kid. She likes drama. (laughs) Yep. So we go back to the street, and there's a kid who's running with Fred and trips and falls over a trash can and does so in front of Nazi soldiers. (laughs) It's bad timing, kid. Just given the pieces of shit that they are, they're probably ready to either beat the kid to death or just straight up shoot him. But Wolverine goes in, makes the save. As he's about to get shot at, that's where we see Captain America's shield pop into frame. I will admit, that was a really cool entrance. Even though I had seen the thumbnail for this episode weeks ahead of time, once again, my memory, this is an advantage. I forgot that he was going to be in this episode. So it was genuinely surprised to see his shield. <laughs> I was I was gonna ask if if it had been spoiled for you because it was like the thumbnail on Disney Plus literally shows Wolverine and Cap for me on yeah. on how my screen loads. So yeah, it it would have been if I had a normal person's memory. <laughs> but this time it was great. I was like, oh my god, it's Cap. Oh hey, right. yeah, that's right. I did see that. So they double team together and drop the soldiers. They give the the kid the bread and he runs off. My note says Cap kicks ass. And then gives the dirty bread back to the kid. <laughs> You're not wrong. He's <laughs> on the ground and they hit a scuffle around it. Then he's like, here, you'll need this. So they head from giving the kid the dirty bread to the chateau. <laughs> and Wolverine kind of gives a little bit of shock and awe. And talking about how he is there with this icon, a rubber suit and all. That's particularly the quote. Interestingly enough, the suit has never been known to be rubber in any of its instances. Some people online speculated that the rubber suit was actually a dig at the Batman suit 
from the Michael Keaton franchise because that was a rubber suit for Batman. Actually, now that I come to think of it, at least in my lifetime or our, or our generation's lifetimes, Batman was probably the first time, second to Superman, or the second time, second to Superman, that we saw a superhero in live action, right? In their suit. <laughs> of, of a major blockbuster, major, yeah. Yeah, because Superman obviously had the spandex. Superman yeah. had the spandex. The Incredible Hulk was like painted skin. So, yeah. yeah. Huh, interesting. That's funny. So, yeah, so the rubber suit or the whatever vinyl suit or whatever, that was kind of a novel thing to the Batman. Right. And then later on, the Batman nipples. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> fucking Joel n- fucking Joel Schumacher he's the one to blame <laughs> you can blame a lot of shit on Val Kilmer you can't blame that on him <laughs> but then we get you know the the not subtle foreshadowing as a way of climbing up this incredibly like steep clip face where he they pull out claws that are effectively the same thing that Wolverine would later have implanted into his body years later yeah they were kind of like how Vega from Street Fighter had him right they would like clamp onto the top of his hands yeah, and and I know from my limited knowledge of ninjas because of a YouTube series that I watch called Witch Ninja, I know that there were things that ninjas would add onto their hands to help them when climbing, but theirs were spiky in the front, not spiky like Wolverine style. You know, like a dumb 90s kid vent, and I'm not sure if you ever had these figures. I collected Street Fighter or G.I. Joe action figures. I did, but I was not as hardcore as you were. So fucking Vega didn't come with claws at least the one i got his little grid you know how they always had the grid of like the weapons and stuff yeah didn't include them i don't know what miss that was from who but chun Li did and i don't even think it was a clever like try to get you by more than one thing chun Li's grid had claws and vega didn't and the only reason i remember this so vividly is my me and my brother because it scarred you apparently right well me and my brother we would like split who liked which character best so that between the two of us ask for all of them for our birthdays and christmas and stuff you right know? because you and your brother were conniving and i respect it right yeah. but like i didn't want you know, i think my brother maybe got vega and then i got chun Li because i definitely got chun Li. we had to like bargain who could use the claws because it didn't come with vega anyway 90s kid vent that was like what so they use these to start climbing up wolverine makes a comment that rod you had noted that was essentially like oh you know you could have worn something a little more subtle if you're one of the people who did not watch the episode and you are one of the joe russo psychopaths wolverine is essentially just in like all black fatigues you know he has the little like beanie and and stuff like that so he blends into the shadow as well but cap is in the bright you know <laughs> copycatted in captain america the first avenger style outfit that he wore on the stage show style yeah. thing and in the we reference superman like the superman shades of red and blue yeah like they're super bright <laughs> yeah bright and poppy this was not the first avenger like military fatigue version of cap so older like 40 something me appreciates that little note though that wolverine brought that out in the in the show he's like listen that's not exactly the most like <laughs> it's not subtle right now yeah. but cap gives the explanation which we've heard consistently with cap's character through the years of you know it's it's not because i'm trying to be here and just be a soldier i have to be a living symbol of pride and hope so it's you know everything that the people of the axis powers were were trying to take down and he was saying we're standing up for it so gotta love that that they just went if you're gonna go for it I, I used to be part of a podcast called yellow spandex and it was obviously a reference to wolverine it's like listen guys you know what we love just go for it i love that wolverine commented like you never catch me dead in something like that <laughs> yes he <laughs> did like, he did add that yep because like, eventually- not only is, not only is it not red white and blue it's arguably even a brighter color i think even scientifically the neon yellow is like on a brighter part of the spectrum <laughs> like more noticeable to the human eye i mean that is why it's on like traffic stops and yeah. and, and roadwork signs right <laughs> so they get up to the top there's more nazis they fight them for the first time wolverine uses claws as a part of a weapon uses it to cut a part of a tree and he's like oh these aren't half bad and that's his impetus to keep them on for the remainder of the mission. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done that, sir. Those Department H guys were like, hmm, maybe. Right. <laughs> they watched the show, too. Right. Wolverine goes up to one of the doors, and he says, it smells like fear. Was he serious? I, I tell couldn't tell. Because <laughs> part of me is like, I think that might actually be a thing. Like you can smell stress hormones on somebody if you're like that kind of animal, you know? I don't know. You're, I bet your cat would start freaking out if you were scared right now, so. 
No, totally. She she has she can smell distress on me. That's why maybe that's, that's why this has been on my mind. But see, Logan's like, he says it in a joking way. He's like, what was that true though? Or did you... <laughs> so regardless of how accurate it is, they go into this room and there's a scientist who's next to soldiers and they're next to these giant mechs. And they pretty handedly take the soldiers down. Yeah, all the goons are really easy to take down. So there's not much training happening with these guys. Well, they're, they're worse than stormtroopers. Yes, but it's the equivalent of like stormtroopers versus two Jedi in a scenario like this. Like, yeah. even if Wolverine doesn't have his adamantium claws and stuff like that, he is still a mutant. So he is enhanced. Yeah. And obviously, Cap has gotten his U.S. government issued steroids. So he's enhanced. I can't remember what it's called. The Taika Waititi's movie about the Nazis? No. Something Rabbit? Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. In my head, my head canon, these are the Nazi soldiers that were fighting are the ones that were trained in Jojo Rabbit. Also highly recommended if you want to watch that movie. <laughs> it'll go on my list right after Get Out. <laughs> okay, so it'll be a couple set decades. <laughs> yeah. So the professor basically tries to like push them off, says, you know, he doesn't want to go to leave him alone. And then Wolverine just straight up takes him down with a nerve hold. I had to rewind that moment because I completely missed it. I don't no. even think they went to the trouble of animating it. I think they just like had his hand brush his shoulder. So you're the wrestling guy. Is that indicative of a known move? I'm the <laughs> WWE wrestling guy, okay? <laughs> what even is going to actually make you pass out versus what's going to make you pass out at Monday Night Raw? Different things. But even the theatrical one, I was like, what was it? Was that supposed to be something? <laughs> because my notes said sleeper hold in quotations. I was like, well, I don't that know. was okay. I can tell you it was not a sleeper, not a sleeper hold. hold. No, that is not how a sleeper hold works. <laughs> I thought because it was so uneventful that the doctor actually just fainted. It, it did come across as a faint or also like I'm not a Star Trek guy, so I'm probably offending somebody with it. But isn't there a thing called like the Vulcan death grip? Like Spock could take somebody yeah. out. I feel like even that was more effort than what this was because he's just like his hand. I don't I couldn't even tell if he touched it. He just his hand like waved over his shoulder and then the. I, I I think it was a, a nerve pinch that he just like, yeah. you know, cut off his blood flow or something like so that. Wolverine forgot that in the years to come because he could have used that multiple times on the present day. <laughs> well, <laughs> as soon as you have stabby claws, why are you put, making people pass out? That's true. But he didn't stab anybody that we saw because sensors. He definitely stabbed a few people. <laughs> Especially when people invaded the, the village in Japan. Lots of people got stabbed off camera. <laughs> they start walking to try to get the scientists out. And he regains consciousness again, emphasizing he doesn't want to go. More Nazis show up, an alarm goes off, and they eventually say, well, shit, we have to surrender because if gunfire opens up, then we're going to die and the professor is going to die. Which I, I don't know. I know why, but like it was surprising to me that all of a sudden like logic applied to this show. I mean, you had Len writing it, so yeah. Yeah, because it was like, it, I feel like every other episode would be like, let's go. And then we just wouldn't see that human character on camera, and then the fight would happen. But this one, they were like, yeah, that's true. It's a bunch of soldiers with guns. They're going to shoot around without any discern. That's a good call, Cap. <laughs> and then they question who set off the alarm, and then we get the reveal. And did you know Red Skull was going to be in this episode? No. Which, you know, once again, kind of exciting because we, yeah, we have not seen him in this show at all. And he's, once again, more of an Avengers character, right? I mean, he was created in the 40s with Captain America. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of, that was kind of cool to see. I didn't expect to see him in there. I do feel like if this episode wasn't like an afterthought and like a pickup season, that he would have been like a much greater threat, you know? <laughs> I mean, for the most part, there is very little interaction in the comics between Red Skull and the X-Men. There was a series which we've referenced in past episodes called Uncanny Avengers, where the Red Skull took the brain of a, at the time, deceased Professor X and amplified his own psychic abilities. But aside from that run in the 2010s, that, that's really where the most interaction I've seen between x-men and red skull is so yeah. this and this was cool this this fit because it's time period and it wasn't all the x-men it was just logan's so everything right. made sense but it was really cool to see especially with cap in the in the episode no and red skull in addition to revealing himself says that it was the professor who set off the alarm <laughs> and gives him a credit to the cause I think that was just pettiness on the Red Skull's part. <laughs> Why would it be pettiness? Just the He's credit to the cause it. line? 
Yeah, that and pointing out the that the doctor was the one to set off the alarm and stuff to like kind of rub its salt into the wounds of Captain America. And uh, I'm, I'm I don't know if Red Skull necessarily knows who Logan is, but he, at this time probably definitely knows who Captain America. Oh, he is. definitely knows Cap. He he point out he says that he's he's seen him before. So I I like the dig that he's like yeah so the, you know you know who set off the alarm the man you were trying to save. I like how you almost went into a German accent and then you decided against it. <laughs> yeah. They mentioned I'm drinking right now. I'm also yeah, done. I'm also done. I'm just sucking on ice now, so I'm, 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 I'm a double shot in. It was great. So cut over, and you see that they're essentially in a room with a bunch of torture devices. <laughs> Captain America is on a torture rack, and Wolverine is being held up by his arms. The torture rack I've seen before. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a torture device where it was literally just somebody held up by their hands hanging there that's not to say it doesn't exist but all the things i've seen before in the past i don't think i've seen that one in particular yeah it looked like you know the stocks that they would normally put people's hands and heads through like the town square and then they just didn't put his head through yeah they put his head through and his arms which especially for a guy that's like even without his claws just super strong and like that seems like a really ineffective way to trap someone right as is not leaving a guard in the room to watch them right because it's, it's essentially wooden handcuffs. Yeah. So not even... Okay, sure. Try to pick the You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> As we'll find out. Yeah. So, you know, Red Skull leaves. Wolverine hears Cap say, you know, if I had my shield, we'd be all set. And then he's able to kind of like swing himself over, grab the shield with his legs, and then proceeds to use the shield to break them out of, of, of their trap. And again, let the Nazis look like fucking idiots any chance you can. The, yeah. Also, this was this was weird because it's not even a problem I had with it. This went in a way I had not expected, in, in a really uneventful way, because I thought by the what they were setting up, Logan was going to kick the shield over to Cap, and Cap was going to save the day because Cap's the one that said, "If only I had my shield." But then Logan just set himself free, and then it was really weird. It's like, wow, that was not how I expected it to happen. I thought he was going to like grab it with his feet and like throw it at Cap and have like a near miss or something like that. And it was like you said, it was like it was it was way more chill. Also, we haven't addressed it yet. That shield. I know people talk about this in the MCU, but definitely, especially in this episode, it hits several soldiers, the Red Skull at some point. Every every time it hits someone, it just like knocks something out of their hands. That shield would have like cut someone's head off or like cut them in half or something. No lie, today (laughs) there was a post that was somebody showing the scene of John Walker from Captain America and the Winter Soldier when he uses it on the terrorist dude. And it hits the guy like basically somewhere in his upper abdomen, lower neck and gets right back into John's hands. And then the dude very quickly is like yelling that he didn't do like there was somebody that was killed or whatever the, the scenario was. And all I could think is that guy's voice like, his whole chest should be collapsed right now. He should not be able to very clearly say all the shit he's begging for right now, even yeah. if it's John Walker throwing it. Yeah, that's a that's a one-shot kill, right? It's At the very least, it's, a, it's like multiple cracked ribs or some shit like that. Yeah. We are not doctors. Even though my mom wanted me to be one, but it's better for the world that I'm not. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. So they're they're getting prepped to leave, and, and they point out that it's 100 to 1 odds against them. And Cap gives a, yeah, they got no shot at beating us. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Cap on that one. He's like, well, so far we've defeated 100% of them until we, the only time we didn't was when we were afraid of getting a human hurt. Right. So, yeah, I feel like we have a good shot at this. <laughs> we see over in the lab again that the robot has been fitted with some sort of prototype, but it's not exactly sure what that prototype is. And he calls it a, a sleeper robot yes. or a sleeper droid or whatever. They, and- yeah, it's called the sleeper. Okay, so yep. this felt like kind of uh, a similar device as what they did with Bucky Barnes in the MCU and stuff. Is that the Nazis want to have something that's going to be activated like years or decades down the road? See, I don't, I don't think it was that. I, I okay. think that was just the name they chose to give it because <laughs> it's a cool espionage name. Yeah. So they actually say the phrase "the sleeper is awakened," which is a line from Dune as well, the original oh, Dune. I didn't know that. It, again, somebody went yeah. hardcore. On the Marvel animated wiki. But yeah, I don't... I, a sleeper is usually a little more subtle. I didn't get the impression that this thing was meant to be subtle. That was another you note know, I had. It was like, you know, Bucky Barnes being a sleeper makes sense. Because, you know, like, random white guy, you could just, like, clean him up, throw him in the middle of society. 
this robot was twice as tall as a normal human being. More and, than like, that. I, I mean, <laughs> Wolverines had climbing off the edge of it and shit. That thing had to be at least 20, 15 to 20 feet tall minimum. I mean, to the point where I was actually suspicious as these were early Sentinels or something because of like how large they were. I can see that. Did you also notice that... I forgot the the proper name for it, but the eagle that sits on the chest, which we know is associated to the Third Reich. But instead of having a swastika, there were the no smoking signs essentially on its arm. Like it was the circle with the slash slash through it instead of where the the Nazi logo would have fit. I kind of, I don't know what happened. Maybe this would be a great question to ask Eric someday. If they actually went ahead and animated all that, because in the comics, you know, they had the swastikas and stuff. I mean, I I remember the original Marvel trading cards, the first set. One of my buddies could not have the first set because his mom threw out his Red Skull card because it had the swastika on the Red Skull card. Yeah, so it makes me wonder, like, did they... I wonder if they animated it with it, and then the censor notes came back and like, listen, guys, we get it, but... (laughs) But no. (laughs) This is going to be after Eek the Cat. We can't... (laughs) We already have one Nazi on TV with Eek, but <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a hit for slander on that one. <laughs> There's going to be one Eek the Cat fan who's like, oh, fuck you guys. Right. I actually don't remember that much about the show, except that like he was a Nazi. Was he? No. Oh, OK. I don't remember. <laughs> but I or if they, you know, they had the foresight and they were like the what the writer's room was like with this. Where they were like, OK, so what can we call the not bar? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that they got away with saying Nazi in the show. But yeah, so they the soldiers basically attempt to overwhelm Captain America and Wolverine. And then the wrestling fans are the only ones who will understand this reference. It's called the Big Show Royal Rumble spot happens where in the Royal Rumble match or a Rumble match or even just multi-person match, all of a sudden everybody basically piles on top of, you know, the strongest person and then they do like the big looks like they're overwhelmed and then they, you know, showcase their strength by tossing everybody off. It literally is what Big Show has done in most of the Royal Rumbles that he's ever been a part of. All right. Well, that that just taught me the origin story of what I originally had noted. It was like the Agent Smith fight, because in Matrix yeah. 2, they had that thing, the brawl thing you know, where that happened. And my memories, that was the first time I saw that. But they probably referenced the wrestling thing then. <laughs> And I can't say, because I didn't watch enough wrestling in the 80s, but that may have originated with the Big Show, or it may have originated with Andre or one of the other previous big guys. By the time I was involved in wrestling, Big Show was the one who was doing that move. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that makes sense, too, because once again, like, this point in the 90s, wrestling was so huge that even, like, there was cartoon shows, and I was aware of, like, a lot of the characters and stuff. So Captain America decides he's going to go one-on-one with Red Skull, and... I've seen variations of Red Skull. This was the you can't fight to save your fucking life version of Red Skull. <laughs> this this was the Red Skull is a giant bitch version. Yeah, yeah, he's he's more of the like figurehead, right, instead of the actual like super powered soldier or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, Skull basically just gets outshined in the fight and then the professor hesitates when Skull wants the controller for the robot. And that's where they actually activate it for the first time. They didn't sleep for very long. No. <laughs> so it awakens. The cap very quickly is able to take out one of its hands. Wolverine takes out the gun and then Wolverine charges and is able to open up the chest. And then we get the great shot of cap throwing the shield through the middle of the chest plate. That was really cool. Yeah. I think had it not been this weird animation style, like this would have fit right in with the, the earlier parts of the series. And stuff. Yeah. It was it was a big moment. It to your point of it even having re- resemblances to the Sentinels, that feels like you know the World War II version of a fastball <laughs> special almost. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if this was just like the generational difference, but they make the reference: the bigger they come, and for me, it was always the bigger they are. Oh, okay. And I, I, don't, I thought it was the harder they fall. Well, it it is the harder they fall, but the yeah. startup of the phrase. In the show, they said the bigger they come, and I always grew up as the bigger they are. Oh, oh gotcha. So it was yeah. all of them. Gotcha. Yeah, so I don't know if it was like a regional thing, an age thing or whatever, but it just stood out to me because it's like, obviously, I knew what they were going for, uh-huh. but I was like, that's different than how I've always heard that phrased. Oh, interesting. I wonder if it was a regional thing because I, I was only familiar with what they said on the show when I was in central Indiana. <laughs> you were familiar with the bigger they come? The bigger they come, the harder they fall. Interesting, because like I said, I, for me, it's the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Gotcha. Weird. 
Although no, no, we, several, we do everything right in the Northeast because we have New Yorkers. <laughs> so, well, so there's been several multiverse jumps in Mandela effects. So I don't know what universe I came from. So <laughs> at that point, there is an explosion behind the skull and Skull runs off with the professor. We see Hap is is following. He's almost hit by falling flaming debris, and Wolverine is able to kind of, you know, tackle him and, and get him out of there. I think this is just a nitpick. I, I My head, because of what I'm familiar with with Captain America and other media and stuff, that he would have been fine, you know, if he got hit with all that stuff, but I guess not in this version. It all depends on what his power levels were in the 90s, because we've talked about this too. Power levels for characters change and escalate over time. Just remember, the original version of Superman didn't fly. He literally could jump tall bounds. So That's true, because, well, A, was it the 80s there was a Captain America that just rode a motorcycle and his helmet was a motorcycle helmet? In the shitty movie version of it, yes, yeah. And then within like the original Thor, Stanley's explanation was that he didn't fly, but he threw his hammer so hard that when he held on to it, it would like drag him. I had not heard that one in particular, but it's entirely possible. (laughs) So they run out the side of the the building, which becomes a ongoing trend for Wolverine for the rest of his life. And they see the skull and Cocteau taking off in a ship and they run up and they're able to, to grab onto the wings. For me, that actually felt very reminiscent of how I'd seen the comic book depictions of Cap in what would eventually lead him into being frozen under the ice and stuff like that, of holding onto the wings. And, you know, obviously in this case, they they weren't able to hold on, but it very much reminded me of, of some of that classic Captain America imagery. Maybe this was me hoping for too much, but I thought the same. I thought this is where we we're going to get the, the reveal that Cap was frozen in time. Like I think that was you happen. hoping for too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, like Wolverine, you know, he falls off, he gets away, but this becomes one of his like 20 lifelong vendettas. Yep, yep. And then Captain America goes like goes into an iceberg and he's like, I know, know whatever happened to him. I guess we'll find out in X-Men 97. I was going to hold it to the end, but because you brought it up the way that you did in the cartoons, because this, remember, was a shared universe with the Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. There was, I believe, roughly two weeks in real time before this episode aired Captain America's origin story, because it tied to Felicia Hardy's dad, aka the Black Cat's dad, mm-hmm. in the Spider-Man cartoon, like two weeks prior. So there oh, was wow. things about Cap and Red Skull and stuff like that, like in the cartoon world, happening at roughly the same time on both shows. And I was not old enough to appreciate that. I don't remember them being that close. I mean, I, I don't even know if I watched them at that time or if I just saw it afterwards. Which is funny because I remember the Spider-Man stuff better than I remember the later X-Men episodes, which would be weird that I was watching one and not the other. I don't know. Maybe it was just, you know, the Fox affiliate in Connecticut. You know, I missed it because of like, you know, Saturday football or something like that. That's a good point, too. I, I don't think I watched this episode until after the series was over. So I maybe just not was not watching either show at this right. point. So they both fall off the wings. They land into a big thing of hay. And then, you know, it starts barreling down towards a cliff. They jump out in time. And then who do we see? Wait. Oh, I don't have I don't have that. Do they see somebody? They say, thanks, Sarge. You guys came at the right time. Referencing somebody blew oh. up the side of the building. Oh, were those the Howling Commandos? Those were the Howling Commandos. Okay, gotcha. I did and that. the one who was the main one they were talking to was Sergeant Nick Fury. Oh, you know how often I forget that Nick Fury was white? <laughs> it's, I mean, for, for, for you not being yeah. a comic book first person, it totally makes sense. Well, what's weirder about that is I do remember when David Hasselhoff was Nick Fury. Which I've still not seen, and I, I that is going... Joe Russo will be happy. That is going after I watch Get Out. I'm not even sure if I actually watched it. I think it was just like around in the zeitgeist, you know, like it was, Marvel stuff. It was one of those like bootleg VHS covers I would see at comic book conventions. Yeah. And you'd see it and somebody would be like, that's $25. And I'm like, you could go fuck yourself if you think I'm yeah. paying $25 for that. And then I do remember his original comic book design and stuff because he would appear, I think, in some other shows. But now... 
he just cemented as Samuel Jackson. Which in so the I, comic books, there is a black Nick Fury who is Nick Fury Jr., who looks like Marvel movie Nick Fury. And that was on purpose, right? I heard urban legends about that. They like, purposely they really, made that change. They, they like really wanted to cast him. And then Sam Jackson showed up at a comic book store and like, wait, that's me. That's so, exactly how I went down too. <laughs> so there are all of the Howling Commandos that were well known at the time next to Fury. The one who is most recognizable is Dum Dum Duggan, who's the guy who has the bowler hat. I remember him from the movies, too. Yeah. <laughs> so he's... somebody crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, obviously, like, I didn't look at, at it as a total one-for-one one because I don't remember all the original Howling Commandos off the top of my head, but Duggan is is as iconic as Fury is to the original Howling Commandos, for me at least. So he stood out, of course. It's a perfect cameo. Sure. I mean, that's that's when the Howling Commandos were, were created, was World War II. Mm-hmm. So they're celebrating, and Wolverine feels like they failed. And, you know, Cap is basically like, no, we stopped this weapon from making it into Nazi hands. It, was it the total win? No, but we still came out on top, and, you know, we survived, and we stopped other people from getting hurt. But basically, you know... Wolverine's vowing revenge on Cocteau and it comes back into modern times and he's like yep and then I never saw him again somebody out there is probably on one of these Marvel wikis has kept like a timeline of all the vendettas Wolverine has accrued over the decades because we haven't heard about this one but it's believable to me because he has so many (laughs) that was one of the other things on the fucking ultimate wiki entry for this episode where somebody said it actually feels a little bit out of character considering Wolverine's view of vendettas that he never tracked down cocktail oh, okay i can see that i, I just assumed that he had eluded him or maybe this was also an anniversary of cocktail's death or something so he'd actually like died like way before yeah well th- this one is interesting because we know that there are parts of wolverine's history where he remembers and doesn't remember obviously the weapon x program totally messed with his head so you know, maybe it was one of those things where he never pursued because of all the memory issues he was having being a part of the Weapon X program and Department H. And then as he's regaining certain memories and triggers are happening, etc., maybe it was just too late for him to follow up on it. I sympathize with that problem. Because <laughs> let's let's also be real. Like, there's, there, there is a reason why not everyone who was a Nazi scientist was tried like in the pre-internet world where it was pre-cctv cameras and stuff like that it was easier for people to go away and be in hiding and stuff like that it's it's not a fully connected universe like we have right now so yeah but then justine arrives and my comment was she doesn't look like she's 70 i i was gonna go <laughs> i'm assuming this was just animation like oversight but at the very least she- they could have colored her hair gray is she, is she a mutant too? <laughs> nope. No, because she actually says the years have been kind to Logan. So she acknowledges that he hasn't changed. Yeah. But she has, even though physically she looks like five years older than she did in the 40s, not 50 years older than she did in the 40s. I think the only animation difference they gave was maybe higher cheekbones for her or something. She had that cheekbones, was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I was like. <laughs> It was the only reason it was odd to me was because they had referenced it two or three times already that everyone else is aged. Right. And those other soldiers, even though we didn't see what they look like, you know, when they were younger and during the war and stuff, we got the, you know, the impression that their current day was a little bit older. Right. Of course, because you also had people who's like formal. Oh, is it formals? Kind of, yeah. With like nope. all the medals and stuff. Or Yep. I don't know what the proper word is. And I, I, I apologize to, to soldiers for not knowing what that proper term is. But their uniforms did not fit them the way that it would have back in the day either too like you could tell like some of the guys were a little older and some of the guys were a little skinnier and heavier and stuff so yeah there was just a little bit of like looseness to them but that's where she she looks so so unaged that i was half expecting for just to be one of the random mystique reveals again that's where we get the the reveal not the mystique reveal from justine that essentially it was his duty to not get you know saved by by wolverine and that he was a double agent for the Allies the entire time. And they actually specified the fact that he was there to sabotage a V-2 rocket and the atomic bomb on the Nazi side. Yeah, back when they could reference real-world tra- <laughs> tragedies. Right. <laughs> Which, what what a time when we were younger for things to be that simple. We're like, oh, he was a good guy. He kept things, you know, he slowed things down from happening. Meanwhile, the older us were like, 
but he was still partially responsible for many, many deaths and genocide. <laughs> I mean, it's the the dude who built the Death Star. He yeah, was, right. I mean, it's it's kind of a similar story. That guy was there, and he couldn't have put the the flaw in the Death Star if he wasn't there for it. So, yeah, I get that. But yeah, basically, you know, she thanks Logan for what he did, and you know he couldn't know because if it didn't seem legit then red skull wasn't going to believe it and he never would have gotten into the position that he was going to and then she suggests that they go to that little bistro to catch up on old times maybe this is because of the way we see the shows each of us you know where i'm going with this did yes. bistro mean something different to her than it did no soldiers? <laughs> not in her 70s rod <laughs> they are in paris i mean she look she doesn't look 70s She's going to reveal it. Mathematically, she has to be <laughs> brought at the very least. She is 65 years old. Right. At the least. Because <laughs> this is the 50th anniversary of the war ending. Okay, killer? Right. <laughs> anyway, I, that was great, though. You're like, let's go to the bistro. Also, though, logistically, the, soldier, the other soldiers are already there. Are they, they're just going to like let it go that this guy looks exactly like someone they served with? <laughs> they're old. Sure. They're senile. <laughs> They're older. They went through World War II. They could fucking be senile, okay? But then he proceeds to claw Hero into Cocteau's tombstone. And Justine doesn't stop him. Nope. With it, without even knowing that he was what he was going to do. Nope. She just had a hope for the best. <laughs> right. Although, I guess to be fair, you see some random guy that is clearly 100 years old pop claws out of his hands. Probably wouldn't even argue with it if you, if you disagree. I, I personally wouldn't, no. <laughs> Listen, Dad's already dead. <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't know what's going on right now. And then, uh, yeah, that's the end of the episode. I did read through obviously the comments from Eric Leewald in previously on making of an animated series. He mentions that he has a soft spot for this episode because it has a moment where the weight is actually lifted off of Logan's shoulders instead of it being more tragedy at the end, which seems to usually be the case with Logan stories. I didn't even think about that. All right, that improves this. This is the one time he doesn't have some trauma at the end of it. Yeah, it actually oh. is like, no, the thing you thought was trauma was you doing the right thing for the greater good. And he leaves with the girl. Not that they necessarily got into a romantic thing afterwards, but he's always losing Gene. So at the very least, he got a platonic happy ending. He is always losing Gene. <laughs> <laughs> they waited to the fourth to last episode, but they did it. <laughs> That is everything I got about this episode. Like I said, I forgot how good this was compared to some of the other episodes in this time frame. That's you know, true. the, this is the better, one of the better ones of this batch. Yeah, I do think to your point, though, if this had been done with the earlier animation style, I, th I think this would have been even better. Like, I think it, it yeah. just suffered from the timing of that, you know, loosey goosey third studio. That being said, in the context of having the C-Team studio or whatever, this was one of the better animated ones. Right. It it looked better than the long shot episode, which we know oh, aired earlier, but yeah. it looked like everything was, I don't know, latex, rubber, pants, and stuff like that. Like, it just, it it flowed better. And I'm happy we didn't get that with, with Cap. That would have felt weird. I think now that we're pretty much almost all the way done watching the series... I think if I were to advise friends who haven't watched it before or haven't watched this fifth season before, I'd almost tell them, like, at a certain point in this season to just start watching this group of episodes scattered in, like, with the rest of the show, you know, like Jubilees, Fairytale Theater, Old Soldiers, and even, like, the next episode of Descent and stuff. Just watch them scattered throughout the rest of the show because these, like, little vignettes. It's just weird to have it this close to the end. Right. Know, to, like, go, go back and revisit one-off stories and stuff. Yeah, the one but, that you cannot do that with would be the Fifth Horseman, which we talked about in oh, a previous that's, week. That's true. Yeah, yeah, be yeah, Because that one, if you do that one before Beyond Good and Evil, you're going to be yeah. really fucking confused. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, yeah. But I, I guess I mean these little little stories. Oh, yeah, all like the other ones are, are, you know, it's kind of, it's not Monster of the Week, but it's, it's very yeah. one-offy. I guess, like, yeah, if you go from Fifth Horseman to, like, maybe Graduation Day, it might work out. Although, I haven't watched Graduation Day again yet. I, I haven't watched great... Graduation Day in over a decade. I am looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't have great memories of it, but I am open to being surprised. <laughs> I, I also think we're, we're, we're getting the benefit of hindsight and knowing what is coming with, with the new series coming out. It's like, yeah, you know, I, w I wonder if it being the finale of a show, as opposed to the finale of a show before the next incarnation kicks off, changes our perception so that's true yeah context 
context is everything, Rod. You know, now that we talked through it, same thing I said about another episode, which at this point I forget if it's happening after this episode or before this one. I like this better after talking through it. Still not my favorite, but like, I don't loathe it. Don't forget that next week we have Michelle Waffle from the Power of X-Men podcast who is going to be joining us, as well as Rod being very, very confused by some very important characters to the X universe. But I took notes on all the inconsequential people. It's true. That's the only spoiler we're giving. If Rod (laughs) cared about the character, they didn't mean shit. So thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram post of this episode. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and still CastBox, I think, technically, we're still fed there. Sure, why not? I've literally never opened CastBox. <laughs> Nor will you. <laughs> Please sponsor us. 